descend through the hourglass. Today is the longest day of my life. Okay, welcome to the first episode of Bauer Hour, a deep dive into the critically acclaimed, much-beloved lo- show, 24, starring one Kiefer Sutherland as Jack Bauer, federal agent, general badass. We're, st- we're diving right in. Uh, I am Jack Bauer superfan Mike Cushing, joined by Michael Howard. Hello, Michael. Hello, Michael. How are you? Doing quite well. Also on the line, we have uh, 24 Newbie. Curtis Perry. Hello, Curtis. Hi. I am a 24 virgin. All I know about this gentleman is that apparently the man who plays him, Peter Sutherland, is a pirate. Self-proclaimed pirate. Yep. Yep. Um, And he hates Christmas trees. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Mm -hmm. Um, He also hates terrorism. mm, Because he's mm, an American. There we all. Well, so speaking of that, um, so we talked a little bit about this. This show had the perhaps poor timing to come out. A mere two months after 9-11 happened, and we'll get into this later in the thing, but they blew up a friggin' plane on this one. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Yeah. Right sure. off the bat. Sure did. Didn't mm-hmm. see it coming. Didn't Spoiler see it coming. alert for anyone who, who didn't watch the first episode. Yeah, man. And there's a lot that happens in it that clearly happens in a pre-9-11 world, but the yes. show aired in a post-9-11 world. Yes. Um, which, we'll get into that, but... The Conceit of 24, if anyone doesn't know, like Curtis maybe didn't know walking into the show, Mm -hmm. every season of the show 24 is one day in federal agent Jack Bauer's life in real time going minute by minute, and he's joined by a colorful cast of characters, and this is probably the most succinct summary of the show you need. Federal agent Jack Bauer, and today is the longest day of my life. Oh, man. Yeah. Mm. Indeed it is. And like any good longest day in your life, we start out in Kuala Lumpur, surrounded by lots of sweaty people. First off, let's time out. I love the fact, by the way, that the premise is announced at the beginning of the episode with the sultry sounds of Keeper Sutherland's voice. I'm hoping this continues throughout um, this series because I want Curtis, it. I do have good news for you. Okay. And we have approximately 190 episodes of just rapid fire satisfaction for you, my man. Fantastic. Fantastic news. It keeps coming back. All right. All right. Let's let's go on to Kuala Lumpur. Okay, so we're in Kuala Lumpur and we get a lo- we get a lot of the series staples right off the bat. We got split stream coming out of nowhere. We got sweaty dudes running through poorly lit hallways mm-hmm. making very like quiet hushed phone calls to mm-hmm. people that we don't know what they're doing. Yeah. Um we also and Curtis you're going to get a lot of this as a newbie, a lot of misdirection on people's intentions. Um yeah, didn't know what this dude was doing, you know? He looked uber uber shady as he goes into the building there and uh doing his thing and then you know, I'm assuming he sent in some information to our guys, but then here come the popo, the Kuala Lumpur popo. I assume knocking on the door, mm-hmm. and we get nothing. No, and <laughs> to be to be to further drive you mad, that will never be resolved. Mm. You will never know. <laughs> sure, sure what why happened not? with that man? Okay, um, you want to answer your question? So, Gotta love it. Yeah. So <laughs> this show does a lot of heavy lifting in the opening. 10 to 15 minutes of the show. I was actually really impressed watching it. Knowing what I do about the show, the number of characters and sort of like inter- uh, character interactions it sets up within the first 10 minutes was actually really impressive. And so let's walk it through. So after we get uh, the phone call from the guy in Kuala Lumpur who appears to be some sort of American agent giving news, 
You get a call to the guy from the Secret Service from West Wing, who is apparently also just a government agent now. Mm-hmm. Um, he gets a phone call. Then we meet Senator David Palmer. Smooth-talking, mm. handsome devil yeah. who's running for president. Yeah, beautiful voice. As a yeah, side yeah. note, Kush, I have also never seen West Wing. Just letting that out there. Oh, what the hell? Yeah. All okay, right. we got to cancel oh this podcast. God. We got another podcast. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. Jesus. Turn turn not, off your mics. Not oh, one God. episode. Not even a minute of it. Oh. Just, nope. Uh, next well, podcast, what, West Wing in it with Mike and Mike. <laughs> Well, okay, so I wanted to say something about Senator David Palmer. Yep. A lot of people might know him currently uh, as the voice of uh, Allstate Insurance, Dennis mm-hmm. Haysbert. So he says one of his first lines is just that he wants to stay low-key, which I really appreciated because one of the the rules for the drinking game of this show, which is really how me and Michael were introduced to it, was... Anytime Dennis Haysbert's voice rises above a smooth middle C, okay. you take a drink. Okay. And I got to be honest, I played this game for five and a half years. I drank twice for that rule. Mm-hmm. So him him saying as your introduction to him that he wants to stay low key was beautiful. Yeah, I think Just I think you might point. get you might get more drinks if you go watch him as Mr. Pedro Serrano <laughs> in the Major League series, the, the franchise, the great it, franchise of baseball movies. He's uh, had a, it actually kind of amazes me that that's the same person. <laughs> right? A lot of like range. It shows, it shows you the range of Mr. Denner, Dennis Haysbert that he is Pedro Serrano and then he is President, sorry, he is a presidential hopeful David Palmer. He also plays a cheating husband in Waiting to Exhale. A little, <laughs> little black movie trivia for you guys. So, yeah. Hmm. Okay, so moving forward. 12.05, we're moving real fast. We meet Jack Bauer and his daughter Kim. And uh, we learn that Jax seems to be having some trouble at home. Kim asks if he's still getting the cold shoulder from mom. Yeah. I, through this conversation, right, I, I as I look at, at Miss Alicia Cuthbert, who I love from Happy Endings, right? Mm-hmm. This is a, the way I came into this show is seeing her in old school and in Happy Endings and other things and, 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 and the girl next door and thinking, this girl's awesome, right? She's, she's funny. She brings me joy in my life. Oh, nay, nay, friend. Within within <laughs> three minutes of being on screen in this show, I fucking hate her. Yeah. <laughs> Chris, and I've I, got more good news for yeah. you. That feeling also never goes yeah. away. It's not. Show. It doesn't ever get better. It actually gets far worse. <laughs> okay. Far, far and worse. We'll get to this later, but um, yeah, we'll get to it later. There's a, a recurring theme for Kim that uh, <laughs> happens in the first. Again, they, they set up a lot of the common tropes of this show in the first episode. Oh, yeah. Um, that they are repeated like clockwork. You know what? You, maybe four times per season. We'll get to it. You stick with what works. I know. Mm-hmm. I just I said to myself after seeing this girl diss her mother in front of her father, who obviously had been out of the house for some for some reason. Right? Mm-hmm. It wasn't like it seemed like maybe it was Jack's fault to me. You know that he was out of the home, and she takes her dad's side and walks away. And I say to myself, I'm really excited to see how terrible this person can be. Can she reach the level that, um, for those of you who've watched this, the Showtime series Homeland, that Dana has reached on that show? Oh. oh. And I'm just wondering, will you be as annoying as this girl? And she immediately sneaks out of the house after the I think that. is yes. A hundred percent. So we we got a, a, some shades of Jack's character in these kind of scenes where you meet his wife, Terry. Uh, you find out Kim is kind of being a turd. 
you you get the sense that one Jack is sort of a for I would say for 2001 a progressive sort of husband like uh he was co-parenting really well he was really like appreciating Terry's feelings and like mm-hmm. taking her side on some things um I thought he had a nice little joke about to Kim you got to call her by your name mom <laughs> yeah <laughs> like he yeah. just like he starts off the show with like a pretty shitty dad joke but also like Seems like a solid family guy who's having some issues. And at this point, we don't even know that he's a federal agent yet. We just, other than, you know, commercials. I have a question. They were having, it seemed like they were playing a game of chess, right? While they were sitting there. Or was Jack just playing a game of chess by himself? Because Kim did not touch the pieces or even look at the board the entire time they were talking. Hmm, Michael, you might have touched that. I didn't notice that. But the, again, if we're talking about them setting things up with small like details jack playing a game of chess against himself kind of defines the entire show again i thought that was that was just pitch perfect right there to start out the uh the episode with right okay so moving real quick through kim disappears she sucks we get our the first time Keith for sutherland raises his voice is to yell kim he's gonna do that again a lot um then Wait, he can gets we a just call talk f- about real quick how bad everyone's hair is in this except like jack jack has like a he's got like a, a the seedlings of a mullet kind of thing going on mm-hmm. terry kind of looks like the savage kid from uh, boy meets world with the, with the brillo pad on hair. her head i don't know how you create that hair in a woman i don't understand i didn't understand it i was like is that i know this show was she you know, almost looked like woody oh. from toy story <laughs> yeah it was it looked like fake hair yeah yeah. So we're, that's, again, we're getting a lot of bad hair, a lot of bad facial hair in this season in particular. Season two moves the ball forward a little bit. People get a little bit better. Grooming becomes a little more important. It's a post 9-11 world. People care about themselves a little more. But Jack gets a phone call from a woman named Nina. Says he needs to come in for a briefing. He leaves. Now, smash cut. Oh, actually, go ahead. Time out. Time out. Because let's not forget, all of these phone calls happen on landlines. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Every one of them. Yeah, like, Jack oh boy, did have a, we've Jack gone did have back a cordless in the past. phone. I did notice a cordless, <laughs> very cordless. Yes, very, yes. very important. Um, so, in the meantime, after uh, Jack is surveying Kim's room, after they notice she's gone, and he gets called in, he notices her like address book and a phone number in it for her ex boyfriend. Smash cut to a scene with a couple of greasy muscle boys with no shirts on. Uh, one of whom, I think his name was Vincent, Kim's ex-boyfriend. Michael noticed had a tattoo that just said Irish on it. I saw it too. <laughs> just shirtless, playing some video games with an Irish tattoo. Mm. That's, just, just so, how, that's just how high school boys roll now. Gotta love it, man. But well, right Chris, off the bat. You were we, in high school. You were in high school mm-hmm. in 2001 when this came out. Uh, does mm-hmm. that accurately describe your high school experience? Uh, just shirtless I'll playing be video games. I'll be honest. I don't think I took my shirt off until I went to college. <laughs> I just was too ashamed of my own body. Um, I didn't want anyone, including myself, to have to see it. Um, I did play a lot of video games, um, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. usually it was pants off, shirt on, just because uh, you yes, know, that's, yes. how, that's how Guys, you lived your life. I, I, I got to ask this question. about it was, it was around here. Um in the scene where, where Douchebag McGee, I'm sorry, Douchebag McIrish uh, showed me his, <laughs> his bat, name was Vincent. That I really, I realized I had counted about four to five clocks. And I get it. <laughs> I get the premise of the show. What I'm wondering in my head is, that, am I going to get bashed over the head with a clock? Showing me what time it is. 
I think they <laughs> dial that back moving forward, but I also noticed that like at every opportunity other than like the tiny clock in the bottom, which right. was like the official that's show fine. timer. Yeah, which fine. is what they I think they moved towards that, but there were yeah. a couple instances where like oh it's it's definitely twelve twelve. Right. Uh, you know, oh, by mean, the way, we start the show off at midnight, uh yeah. LA time. But that's I think important. you know, it's I can kind of get it because, I mean, this is kind of, it was a novel concept to do a show like this. And I, I honestly remember seeing the previews for this show and being like, how the hell are they going to do that? Like, I, they, it doesn't make any sense. They definitely bash you over the head with it a little bit. And I think we get the sense because the show is actually moving really quickly and introducing a lot of characters in this episode. But mm-hmm. um, in a minute, when we get to the plane, I can't believe we're only... We're only seven minutes in this show right now. Um, oh my god! No, it's yeah. fine. I, I, we're, there's so much to unpack, but like it's there's like the conversation with um, photographer guy on the plane and the flight attendant. And she's like, "Oh, it's about twelve twenty. We'll be landing in an hour." Like just very clearly <laughs> delaying exactly what's going to happen. Yeah, we're we're gonna um, get to, we're gonna get to that. Yeah. I, I got to talk about that whole scene. Um, <laughs> okay, but just for you newbies, all uh, just so you guys know, if you're new to this, like I am, I find it interesting. They also count the commercial breaks as part of the time. Mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's very, it's very done, good. Fox. It's you very know? good yeah. for travel. Uh, I assume that's that's when uh, when Jack pees. So I actually, so we'll get into that too. Um, <laughs> at no point in the show do they actually, uh, you know, show anyone uh, using the restroom. But sure. I was trying to look in this episode in particular if there was a point where Jack could have had the time to do this stuff. And there's not because he always has something else going on or someone that he's watching or that he's traveling somewhere. Okay. Homeboy's not going to the shitter. I mean, <laughs> um, to be fair, uh, George Mason, I assume named after the, the fine school, he, he was passed out on the couch for a while. Jack could have maybe, maybe well, taken Well, he has to keep an gonna, eye on him and he has to make gonna, sure no one sees him. But we're okay, going to get here, to that get, horse shit too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let me move in. Okay, let's, let's move forward real quick. So Jack All shows right. off his, like pretty good investigative skills like he finds the, the the book he calls the guy he finds out that kim is at least not with somebody mm-hmm. we smash cut to kim and her friend i shitty name i forget is it um, janet janet it was janet Damn so it, janet janet has set up for them to meet two sophomores in college oh yeah uh, san diego and, state too it's from san diego state they're men mm-hmm. not boys Hell and yeah. michael i want to rewind to what you said to, about me in high school i was not a man as a sophomore <laughs> in college i was nope. just a fleshy little turd boy mm-hmm. um with no redemptive skills or yep. value to anyone curtis and i were sophomores in college in t- 2001 when this came out and i don't think that anyone would have described us as men except high boys. school girls Michael. Sure. uh maybe yeah a little bit maybe maybe i don't i was a boy i was shaped <laughs> like an upside down uh <laughs> coat hanger and uh just just uh, exploring what alcoholism was to me in college. I weighed, I weighed about 112 <laughs> pounds, and my, my neck was approximately four feet long. So, yeah, you know, I get you. I get you. Okay. Thing I was like a straightened-out coat hanger, Curtis. Okay, so, so coat hangers aside, we're now at 1209. <laughs> we mm-hmm. finally, Jack, uh, we get introduced to CTU, the counterterrorism unit. We finally mm-hmm. learn that Jack is a federal agent. He's an anti-terrorism guy. Which... Um, Makes it a very, very bold move on Kim's part to sneak out of the house not 30 seconds after she left the room with her mom and dad very clearly awake and very alert. And her dad is a CTU agent and she is just... Peace out. I'm gone. So, so a couple things on that. So on on the drive over while we are being introduced to uh, Kim and a couple of the people at CTU, Jack has made a few 
logical leaps within that four he minutes. Has. Yes, he has. So, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> one, he calls Terry, his wife, to just say that um, maybe we should try to remember what it was like to be a kid. Mm-hmm. Two, yep. after sitting next to a Senator David Palmer for president sign on a bus, um, on a bus, on a bus yep. he puts it all together that this threat has to be about him because he's black mm-hmm. and therefore most likely to be the target of a terrorist attack because he's running for president in, L- in L.A. and he's black. God, I want this so bad. Please let well, me know a little bit. I mean, to his credit, David Palmer is, he just got to L.A. and he is making a fairly important speech, it seems. But at this right? point, at this point, Jack has no idea. Correct. And all he said is that he's been called in for a briefing. That's true. Correct. That's it. This is This is the magical moment for me when I said, okay, Jack is, one, he's a psychic. And two, yeah. this is where I'm happy I'm watching this show now, right? To watch, to go through that mind, that mindset of the black guy's running for president, mm-hmm. right? He's about to win the nomination. That's what the news channels are saying. He's going to win the nomination the next day, right? He's got to be the target. We just went through eight years of having a black president, right? To, if I'd watched this beforehand, I'd say, oh, yeah, no, totally, totally right. No, no questions, no, no problem. Now watching it, I'm like... I mean, come on, man. <laughs> mm-hmm. Come on. Yeah. Don't, don't do that. Yeah. Don't just jump yeah. to it. Yeah. So Jack, you know, at this point, he, he gets in. He's he's t- selling, telling some of his theories to Nina. I think he talks to Tony, who has got a sick soul patch. He's another CTO oh, yeah. agent. Mm-hmm. Sick soul patch. And then he meets Walsh, the Secret Service mm-hmm. guy or whoever that, from the West Wing. Well, but Jack, uh, before he does that, he's wearing a... He's wearing a short sleeve sweatshirt, right? Like I'm not making this up. Like he's not dressed like a federal agent, but neither is who's the girl? Who's the hacker girl on the Jamie on the team? Yeah, but wearing she's, a tummy she's shirt? Not, What's that all Jack about? Jack is like Jack is theoretically like the head of this division of CTU. I will say it is at midnight on everyone's day off that they got called. Yes, in. but then um, he changes. He changes into a very professional. Well, I don't. A no, it was a sweater polo. polo? It was. <laughs> Uh, also, <laughs> hey fellas, I need to, I had to bring this up because this this messed with me for a little bit here. I am very up to speed on our government. You can't introduce a new agency on me and not explain it. So the, right. So then they I'll also like CTU of the unit of what the FBI, the unit of the CIA, the unit of the NSA. What so, unit of, of what are you of? I need to so know. That. Later in the episode, <laughs> when we meet George Mason, the divisional director, he s- mentions the agency without naming it. <laughs> By name, Correct. he just says the agency, <laughs> mm-hmm. which so this appears to be a unit of the CIA focused on counterterrorism. Um, but the CIA but is supposed to be is supposed to only be international, and the CIA cannot within, operate on, the, right. on U.S. soil. So it, it, it you would think it would have to be FBI or Homeland Security, right? Homeland Security did not exist at this point. Correct. The NSA um, did, though. Maybe they're part of the NSA. Could be. Because they do have a lot of, I believe they they have were, a lot of surveillance. Activity. I do believe that though the NSA at this point in time was referred to as no such agency. There was no uh, official <laughs> record of the NSA being a thing. But uh, okay, so I digress. Let's get back to the story. Yeah, couple things. Um, so we learned some things about Jack as he's talking to Walsh. Mm-hmm. Um, one, Walsh believes it's a, it is a domestic hate group, most likely targeting Palmer. Mm-hmm. Um, and he believes that there might be someone in the agency involved. Again, first introduce the first introduction of a classic twenty four trope: the mole. The mole. 
As in response to that, Jack says that he's the worst possible person to lead this investigation because he has recently busted three agents for taking bribes so people may not like him. In response, we learn that George Mason from The Division is coming with more information that Jack can move forward with. So uh, I think in the this meantime, is important. It, it, it really establishes Jack as like the moral authority of the agency. Right, he's, mm-hmm. because he the the guy clearly knows that there's a mole, or he thinks there's a mole, and his first reaction is to not not even suspect Jack for a minute. He is like, "This guy is totally clean cut. I'm going straight to that dude." It also sets up what is one of my favorite moments in the latter half of this episode, uh, in regards to Jack's willing to compromise his <laughs> values or lack thereof. Yeah, I, that's what it's. It was funny to me juxtaposition to the two moments where it's like, "I can only trust you, Jack," and then. It veered way off legal, like real fast, when he needed to get shit done. And I'm just like, wait a minute here. You know, and then, right. and he, he doesn't compromise like, unless, you know, it involves shooting someone. I think it only, <laughs> it, yeah, his, 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 his morals are at money, right? Did I take mm-hmm. any money? No. Nope. Did I shoot my superior with a fucking dart? Yeah. Okay. Before we get to that, we got a couple. We got a couple money. B plots to go. Through. All right, Curtis. Yeah. yeah, you don't take money. Don't take money. Sorry. Although to be fair, that guy did take money. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, a couple B plots to to move forward on. Yep. One. Yep. Uh, Kim meets Kim and Janet meet their their college sophomore boys. Uh, one of I think it's Rick and Dan. Rick. Rick loves to party, mm-hmm. which is proved by the fact that he pulls five warm beers out of his purple van. <laughs> And the four of them proceed to get, well, no one else gets wasted except for Janet, who eventually has sex with a man in the furniture store that they're hanging out in for yep. some reason. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. That's child molester van one. And two, mm-hmm. I, that, I, they drugged Janet. But move on. I just. Yeah. They go up on the roof. They start talking. She claims her dad's dead. Yeah. Yeah. I was, you're the worst, Kim. That's yeah. what I said. Yeah. My, my, my note here says dead dad, eh? Kim is the worst. <laughs> and then she says, uh, it was six months ago. I'm over yeah, it. Yeah, I'm over it. I'm over it. And, and by the way, all this is in response to Rick saying the sentence, well, when I got into San Diego State, I figured, why Why the hell not? Let's give college a try. <laughs> yeah, so you didn't he, say that when you applied? What are you? <laughs> he's, he's given college the old college try. Just got in and, and she immediately asked him, do you surf? Because her dead dad surfed. Yeah. Yeah. So does surf. Jack surf? Who knows? This fictional dead dad story. Maybe that guy surfed. Maybe he was. Maybe Jack doesn't have time to surf, and Kim's taking it out on. I really want to dead. imagine Jack just going out in the waves, though, Point Break style. Yeah, just just saying, dude, a lot. What a pleasant picture, right? Oh, okay, that's all going on. Kim's being just a stupid, stupid idiot. In the meantime, Terry discovers three joints in Kim's room. Oh, She's yeah. a bad kid, mm-hmm. very bad kid. Um, and then we jump cut around the 20 minute mark to a smarmy looking European dude on a plane. Uh, um, his name is Creepy Swordfish Guy. Creepy uh, Swordfish Guy. Okay. <laughs> and then next to. He is to- from the World Press, by the way. <laughs> yeah. He's from the World Press. Martin. Yeah. Creepy Swordfish Guy. So, smarmy European dude is sitting next to suspicious fucking lady on the plane. That's all we know until we meet Walsh in the next scene. Who explains that there is, or no, sorry, George Mason, that there's probably a shooter, most likely European, almost certainly German. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh shit, German boy on the plane is our killer right mm-hmm. off the bat. We we got suspect number one. They they emphasize that, and then the next thing they show 
creepy swordfish guy. They play the I'm a villain music. Mm-hmm. Right? They show his face and it's just... Dun, 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 dun. Okay. Okay. Obviously to me, this isn't our dude. <laughs> <laughs> so, then we finally meet George Mason, the divisional head. Mm-hmm. He gives us some information. One, shooter's coming in. He's probably European, maybe German. Mm-hmm. Target's probably Palmer. And we all know that Palmer's no friend of the agency. And if he wins, this place is getting gutted. So, uh, he has some information that Jack needs to decode. He won't give Jack all the information. He just expects Jack to move forward. So, Jack pulls some really bureaucratic shit to discover that our boy Mason is a bad man. By which I mean he tricks Mason into making a phone call to the divisional office and then pulls the sneaky, sneaky spy, spy move of picking up the phone on the same line and listening in and why, catches him in a lie. Why does George Mason not have a secure cell phone? Correct. That's the first thought. You're making this call. Because we got secure landlines, my man. But are cordless landlines really secure? They all work on the same frequency. If you were within like 50 yards of CTU, you could have picked up any every phone conversation. Well, we've stumbled upon another little 24 trope <laughs> that this place has no security protocols, even though they say the word protocol a million times, and uh, really just no operational security whatsoever. Nope. Yeah. And, nope. and, and that, no that, guidelines. That comes, up, that comes up in about a minute as well, a little farther. So, what do we see Jack do when he <laughs> learns that uh, our boy Mason? Maybe isn't on the up and up. Well, what does, what does he do? Uh, I believe he goes and he has a binder full of gun. <laughs> he well, scrolls over to a file cabinet that is unsecured and unregulated by anybody yeah, and picks up pulls out a, a fucking dark gun. gun. <laughs> In front of Nina, his co-worker. Yeah, he finds that just fine. And then he goes, get me a binder. So he knew exactly where the Trank gun was, but he couldn't. He had no freaking clue where to find a fucking binder. Yeah. So, in the so as he's walking over with Nina with the trank gun, he explains that a heroin dealer uh, had been busted, uh, and that when they seized all the money, two hundred thousand dollars of it went missing, and he thinks Mason has it, so he's going to blackmail him to make Mason give him the information. Yep. Um, yep. Except, rather than doing that immediately, <laughs> well, what does he do? He walks into the room and shoots him in the leg with a trank gun, doesn't he? Correct. Yeah. It's yeah. a big yeah. fucking dart just, in your leg, bro. Just right away. <laughs> like, he doesn't even give him a chance. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. He doesn't yeah. say, like, hey, uh, do you want to come clean on this? I, I have I have some things I might know about you. He's just like, no, straight to the straight no. to the train. Dart grab couch. That's what yeah. that's what he went mm-hmm. for. Uh that was the move that he used, his super spy move. So <laughs> so then after he you know, he pulls that again, the super spy move. Nina walks in, discovers his, their boss's, like, you know, lifeless body. Um, what happens next was kind of silly. Um, Jack somehow susses out the fact that Nina and Tony are sleeping together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then walks downstairs after having Nina watch Mason, because well, he'll be out for half an hour, and goes to Hacker Shirt in, or Hacker Girl in the belly shirt and asks her if he gives her a phone number, can she hack all of the passwords associated with it? Right. Yep. All of them. Um, right. Every single was, one. Not even a specific there, account or anything. Just like all of the passwords that exist in the world yeah, on this I, phone number. I, just, I wrote down here in my notes here. Um, one, that request is impossible. <laughs> um, two, Jack just bl- broke at least three federal laws 
in about two minutes. Well, so there was this this, this important exchange. Yep. Uh, so she said, well, do you have a, like, if you have a warrant, I could do yeah. it. And he says, and if I didn't have a warrant, her response, is it important? It's important. So she does it. <laughs> um, yep. And they hack into Kim's phone, get her password mm-hmm. for her email, which, by the way, is life sucks. Mm-hmm. No it's capitals, her, no numbers. No numbers, no spell characters, just yeah. life sucks. Just life sucks. Just in case we need more more evidence that Kim is a moody piece of shit. She is just so angsty, it's unbelievable. Uh, but let's go, this, this is the plot hole for me, right? I know it's 2001, but who the fuck used email to set anything up? You're using at least an IM. You're on good old AIM. Yeah. You know? You're not yeah. using an email for that. I just had yeah. some cool emo song lyrics as my away message and waited for people to message me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I was talking to smarter child because I didn't have any actual friends. That works, man. Okay, so moving forward, we got a couple things coming out. We mm-hmm. jump back to Kim, Janet's boning some dude in the in the furniture store. She's not having a great time. Okay, we jump back to our man, Senator David Palmer. He's in his hotel room. He gets a call uh, for, to his assistant, Patty. On a cell phone. Mori- it was, it was on a cell, cell phone. phone. It was on a cell phone. Finally. It was. From he has a Maureen cell phone. From Kingsley, a journalist. And all we hear is basically him saying, if you air that allegation or anything like it, and then phone calls over. So he's got some skeletons in that closet, huh? I'm so he excited about the real allegation. real angry. He almost really? got real angry, and then he was like, you know what? I'm going to keep it low-key. I'm, I'm so excited about this allegation. I knew the allegation would not be given to us in this episode. And I'm happy to wait for it. Um, but while watching Senator David Palmer rest on the couch and go outside after he receives a phone call. And close the door in his wife's face. He does that. Without even looking at her. Just with his back Mm-mm. turned, just slowly Mm-mm. slid it closed. Yep. But what I noticed the most, gentlemen, is that while he may have skeletons in his closet, does this man have a tie pin in his closet? Because <laughs> that tie was everywhere. And that's yeah. unacceptable. Well, he for was a senator you know, he was, and future president. I'm, no, I'm sorry. The, no, the back of your tie cannot be just flopping all around your shirt. <laughs> Un- he had it. He had it unacceptable. You know, he was uh-uh. he was on a nope at all times. Hell, relaxing. Even Donald Trump can duct tape his tie at to the back all, at all times. Okay, your tie must be perfect. You ever see Obama with his tie out of place? I don't think so. Mm-hmm. I've never seen Obama lounging on the couch. Yeah, you yeah. have. There's pictures. <laughs> yeah, hanging out with Joe. Yeah, um, okay, Uncle Joe so, can have his tie unpinned, but not. So we got we're gonna, we're gonna move pretty quick here I think do, at the end we're we're gonna resolve plain person mm. and uh, I think but mostly Jack's lack of of compromise so he gives he gives a talk to Nina who's trying to to understand what he's doing with Mason to get information and he says you can look the other way once but once you start compromising you never stop and the three guys that he busted first like uh, taking bribes they compromised one time and he had to take him down. Mm-hmm. Um, they weren't bad so guys. They just compromised they guys. one time. Nope. So Jack's way of not compromising is to shoot a man in the leg. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and that's pretty much it until he finally gets the information from from Mason. Mm-hmm. Like you know, he he's he has uh, the proof that the guy stole the money. And he's going to send it to like their boss, Chappelle. Mm-hmm. Um, but r- rather than doing that, he just accepts the information from from Mason, who says he'll regret it. But that's way of Jack. That's Jack's way of not compromising, which is to like let this guy go. Yeah, cool. yeah. Apparently, you can steal two hundred thousand dollars 
as long as you give Jack the information and then it's totally okay to steal money. So the hierarchy of morals goes giving Jack what he wants is stealing money and then somewhere down towards the bottom is shooting a dude in the leg with a train gun. Yeah, and apparently fraternization's not an issue either because Jack insinuated that members of his team are sleeping together but I got from the very first meeting between the two that he'd been fucking... Um, what's her name? <laughs> Nina. Yeah, Nina. You are a perception on his gentleman, team. my friend. I, I looked at her and I was like, hmm, one, your hair's bad, right? That's not good news. <laughs> so, and Jack uh, loves that. Two, yeah, because I, I saw his wife. And I'm like, two, y'all been fucking. <laughs> and well, that's, that's fine. But speak, I know it, I know it happened. Speaking of fucking, at 12.52, we smash cut back to, Boom. um, smurmy, smurmy European dude and, uh, suspicious fucking lady, who we learn her name is Mandy, are yeah. fucking in a suspiciously large airplane bathroom. I'm the master of segways. Okay. Yep. You nailed I am, it. I am Dean Kamen. All right. So it, it turns out that Mandy is very turned on by oh, yeah. people taking pictures. And when oh, she yeah. asks for proof that he is an international photographer, he just opens up a travel, travel magazine and says, <laughs> yeah. How about this picture? And she apparently got super wet and horny. And, and she goes, like, she goes, ooh, Munich. Just in case you didn't realize that we were talking about the German dude. Real quick German here. guy. Yep, there yeah. it is. German guy. Also, guys, I want to introduce something that my wife and I have discovered over years of watching Law and Order. Okay? The, it's the Law and Order theory. If there's a person who's a suspect, right, and they meet someone or know someone who has been in more things that you recognize than that person, they're the guilty one. <laughs> Creepy Swordfish guy I've only seen in Swordfish. Miss Mira Kirshner, I have seen in another teen movie. I have seen her in, in a couple of franchises on sci-fi. I have seen her in other things. And I well, said, then, nay, well, I said nay, nay, probably, friend. <laughs> it probably came as no surprise to you when she pulled out a syringe, plugged it into a flight oh. attendant's neck, and then as Martin, the photographer, goes back to his his uh, seat, he realizes that his wallet and ID are missing. Beautiful. And Michael, what does she do next? Uh, well, she stands on the lifeless flight attendant with <laughs> one leg to mm-hmm. open up the wallet and pull out the World Press ID card for Mr. Martin, oh, um, which I didn't quite understand it. She stole the wallet. For some reason, she decided she needed to go back towards the the flight attendant to to look at it what like why didn't she just take it to to the bathroom she obviously took it while she was in the bathroom why didn't she just take it out in the bathroom like it was it was just a weird sequence of events and then she like drunkenly stumbled out to mm-hmm. grab the carry-on like she was putting on some ruse ah i'm so drunk ah, i'm gonna get this carry-on I, I just didn't really understand the sequence of events it's v- very weird for me as well after after what what occurs, right? I'm thinking that that poor flight attendant had to be stabbed in the neck and killed. You, you, one, you must just love murder and just want to practice it, and that's fine. <laughs> you know, it's good to be it's good to be good at something to practice your craft. But I'm looking at this and I'm seeing her do the whole the whole spiel here, doing all this stuff, and I'm thinking, is this all to, to clone an ID here? Is this what this is what this is all about stealing an ID? Yeah, you know. Right? Um, this like, is a why very... did you have to kill a flight attendant to take an ID? Right. Well, guys, it turns out killing a flight attendant, uh, <laughs> ew, ew, not the least of her eventual crimes, because what does no. she pull out of that carry-on? Oh, just some detonation cord. Yeah, which mm-hmm. she wraps no problem. Around. Gonna put yep. this around the door. She yep. puts on and her uh, her 
her jumpsuit. Yeah, um, and then, we'll and then the I'm thinking, okay, a, cool. A, a much larger conspiracy because somehow she unscrews the bottom of a fire yeah. extinguisher and pulls Pull out, out three sticks yeah. of fucking dynamite. Yeah. Yeah. Right, right. But here's the question. Mm-hmm. Uh, why didn't she... So she killed the flight attendant and blew up the plane... And then, but why did she have to sneakily steal the ID from Martin if she was going to blow up the whole fucking plane? Couldn't she have just stabbed him in the neck in the first place and just pretended like he was sleeping and taken his ID and then done all of this stuff? Was she just really horny? I don't want to be sexist, Michael. Maybe she wanted some dick. Yeah. It could could have been she wanted that dick. And that's just, fine. Just real yeah. thirsty. You want some Whatever. of that dick? That's a, but for me, I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm hoping that this gets resolved later in the season. Because this organization that put together an elaborate plot to blow up this plane, I'm hoping that they did this to hide the fact that this woman is coming into the country to try to kill the senator. If this was put together to just steal an ID, <laughs> I believe that you have the capability as an organization to create a fake ID. Rather than blow up an entire fucking plane of people. I mean, from what we've Jeez, already sweet seen, mother of God, the hacker at CTU do. Um, by by all accounts, all she had to do was get the guy's phone number, and they would have been able to right. fucking figure it out. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but so like, yeah, all destroying this will be revealed. destroying a seven forty seven. A seven forty seven carries like four hundred plus people. And this is not the main event. Blowing up a 747 in midair mm-hmm. is not the main event mm-hmm. of this season. It is just a small, it's not even an appetizer. It's like, it's like wow. just a small little aperitif before, at the beginning of this season, blowing up 400 plus people in midair. Not going to lie. So, we went from six to midnight right there. Excited yeah. about this. Mm-hmm. Excited. Yeah. Just, and so. Back at, in, at CTU Central, Jack is about to head out after having gotten the information he needs from from Mason. He's about to go hit the road to track down Kim because uh, Terry has gotten a line on Kim and Janet with uh, allegedly the other girl's father. Uh, he seems a little shady, but they're mm-hmm. driving around looking for Kim and Janet. Uh, Jack's about to hit the road, too, and then he gets the word from Tony Two minutes later, that uh, plane blew up and preliminary reports from, even though it was over the desert, they just yeah. know it was a bomb. <laughs> they know it already. It was over the Mojave Desert. Yep. We have no yep. idea, but it was definitely a bomb. They know it already. Yeah. I got, so, I got, God, so good. Go ahead. <laughs> so I'm just going to say, so then we we cut back to uh, the rape van with, with Dan and Rick, mm-hmm. uh, Kim and Janet. Janet very clearly not doing well. Kim wants to go home. Uh, Dan keeps driving when Kim asks to take a right. Uh, right in front of her mom. Dan says, relax. Kim freaks out. Rick says, you heard him. Relax. Thus giving us the first installment of the recurring theme of Kim napping. Yep. I, I knew Kim was kidnapped when she got in the van. I was like, that's it. There's no question at all. You're not going in the car that your friend drove you in. She's drugged, obviously. So she gets you're, kidnapped, you're getting, you're getting and then kidnapped. we get the, the first five-way split screen of the show. Oh, yeah. I, I got to oh, yeah. back up to a couple a couple points, gentlemen. I Please. love the five-way. One, I get that Mason's a, a, apparently a shady dick, right? But to let him leave with no medical attention whatsoever, <laughs> this man was knocked out cold for half an hour. He just stumbles out, yeah. you know, legs and fine. He had, a, he had quite a limp going on the way yeah, out the door, you know, too. But, but yeah. like, come on, somebody's got to say something. This is a federal agency. Someone should notice something. Yeah. Got to um, a nap on a couch for, for a half hour. Yeah. Clearly yeah. some shady going on. 
And then it's, you know, my, my law and order sense is back up because the gentleman who, 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 uh, who mom is with Terry seen him in a lot of things. Matthew. Now Have he just you. may be, he just may be a main character of this season. I don't know that, but I'm thinking is, is, is mom napped as well? I don't know. I'm excited to find out, but that, that finally split screen. I'm like, I got the, I got the allegation. I got a Kim who's kidnapped. I got a Kim, mom who's Kim a dude I don't know about. Kim Sorry, Kim napped. Kim napped. Yeah, there you go. I got, I got mom going, going God knows where. Jackson went out to investigate a plane blown up. I got Mandy. I don't know where Mandy is. Or if her Mandy. name's even Mandy. Yeah, Mandy was yeah. parachuting back to Earth in the Mojave Desert. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so, yeah. So much excitement set up. So it is now 1, a, 1 a.m. in L.A. And we don't know what Jack's next move is. So that was uh that was a pretty solid Bauer hour. Yeah. Um, I'd say so. Not a not a lot of the uh I mean a lot happens, but we have yet to hit the turbo button, Curtis, in ways <laughs> that I think you're really gonna enjoy. <laughs> I'm ready for this, guys. I I may not be prepared for what's gonna go on here. It just there's so much action in one episode. So Curtis. Yeah. So Curtis, do you, now that we've walked our way through through this episode, are there any are there any things that, that you want that you want uh, some you have some additional questions on. I know it's a lot to take in. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was a that was an action packed first hour. So one of the things I noticed, uh, as a as a, as a guy whose uh, father was in the Air Force and brother was in the Navy, I saw that Jack had the Navy pants on, and so I immediately think this guy's Navy pants. He's the head of a counterterrorism unit. Is he a Navy SEAL? Should mm-hmm. I get excited about that? Because Navy I will SEALs say Jack has a twisted military history. Okay. He's mm-hmm. he's not just a simple lawman. He's been around the block a couple times. Yep. It's good to so know. So while he's a devoted father, kind of a funny progressive dad and husband, um, and just a sharpest attack lawman, Jack's okay. got some, some training that may or may not come into play when he aggressively takes down bad guys. Okay. Okay. Excited. Excited. Um, belly shirt girl. Mm-hmm. Was she a former criminal who became an agent, or did she just decide to, to do that every day? I really feel like I really feel like she's just you know one of those. It's like the hacker trope, right? The girl hacker trope. She doesn't mm, okay. she doesn't conform. She doesn't conform to your society. You gotcha. Know? Gotcha. I like Garcia from Criminal the, Minds. Right. I see she's that. got the pigtails yeah, and, and the, the and the belly Abby shirt from NCIS. Yep, like it, yep. it's just. Yeah. I think she's like the earliest iteration of that. Um, like late '90s, early 2000s, like hacker girl who just like you, now you see it in every TV show. It's just right. like no one's wearing like a suit to work. It's just like you know, <laughs> oh, just uh, whatever quirky outfit you want to wear. You're a hacker. Just get I, away. I with really it. feel like 24 started a lot of these these tropes that go on with all a lot of these shows like NCIS and uh, Scorpion and these yeah. kind of intelligence agency uh, TV shows. Yeah, and and Curtis, you're probably... I'm very curious as we move forward to get, like, your take on a lot of... I think what we would now consider... I I mean, I consider them to be 24 tropes, but I think, you know, I think in a lot of ways they blaze a trail in TV doing things, particularly with action, but also the way they present story and conspiracies. But looking back on it, it, a lot of people have borrowed it now, um, and a lot of it might seem obvious to you. Like even just beyond the Law and Order sense, you, that is tingling for you. Oh, I've watched <laughs> Criminal Minds. I've watched NCIS. I know. Like part of me is thinking, I have two other things. So I, I think one, Tony, probably a dick. I don't like the guy. Um, is it because of his soul patch? It, there's a lot of stuff going on. His untucked <laughs> shirt uh, was one of them. It's just I don't know. You know, yeah. I, I just yeah. I don't trust you. 
Yeah. And then I think mom, Terry, is her name? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think she's got a secret to tell us. And I'm excited about it. We'll see what is happens. It, is it how she got her hair to look I don't like think that? I don't, think it's, I don't think it's the hair. I don't think that's okay. going to come out. I think that's going to remain a mystery to science um, and television audience forever. <laughs> but I, I think I think there's something there. And, and I'm excited to see if this dude tries something. Maybe she pulls, pulls something out. Well, who knows, man? I, 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 there's so much mystery here for me that you guys have enjoyed, and I'm, I'm ready for the journey. So we know that there are, we, we suspect that there is a mole within the agency. Do you Ear- think that early we guess. Have, Do you think that we have met the mole have we in this met- first episode? <sighs> and do you have any guesses as to whom it might be? Are we going to play guess the mole? Guess the big bad of the season every season? Yeah. Let's do it. I, I, Actually, I, I, after every episode, I want to see if you can after, yeah. guess who it yeah, is. We want to we see the progression of what you who you think the mole is. I think... So I think I think the obvious, the obvious answer is Tony because I hate him. <laughs> is it because of the soul patch? It it a little a little bit <laughs> a little bit, but I think it's uh it's his his confidant. What's her name with the funny hair? Uh, Nina. Nina. I think it's Nina. That's, that's, okay. where, that's where I'm going first. We'll see so what first first episode. The only Curtis. professionally dressed and competent person in the cast, do you think, is the mole? Yeah, make it obvious for me, Fox. <laughs> Come on. Come on. <laughs> the only person who looks like they have their shit together in this entire episode, you think, is the mole. To be yeah. fair, she did fuck a coworker. So That's true. Two, That's true. as far as I know. Yeah. Also, I just finished watching the first season of Quantico. I don't, I don't trust anyone. So... You're good in call. Nina. That's yeah. a good point. Quantico is like um it's like a like a college version of uh, 24 almost. <laughs> it's a Grey's Anatomy 24. Yeah. <laughs> it got a little like at first it was cool it was like that's a lot of sex for uh, mm-hmm. for federal training. That's a little yeah. ridiculous. Anyway. Yeah. Well, guys, I think uh I think you know what this means. <laughs> Jack, hold your freaking horses, man. <laughs> What's the, the body count? <laughs> so we are officially at a, a zero, but well, I guess no, the no, plane so, does so, count. So, so I count, I count the stewardess and then the plane. Like they're just like separately. Like yeah, separately? <laughs> the so stewardess. So she true. died before the plane. That sucks, that man. True. Like if you're gonna go, did you want to go on like a giant apocalypse? You know, everybody. You don't want to go before everybody goes. That blows. So yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I think as far as the twenty-four body count, I'd say we're estimated at about four hundred if we assume the seven forty-seven was <laughs> was full-ish. But the Jack Bauer specific body count is at zero. Nope. one dude yes. unconscious for thirty minutes, and that's about one, it. One one unconscious dude, nobody dead. Oh, and his trust of Kim. That's dead forever. Mm. <laughs> At least I hope so. You'd be surprised. You'd be surprised. You'd be really, really surprised. Sweet Jesus. <laughs> Just wait till she becomes a CTU agent. Oh, Oops. What, are you doing? what are you doing? <laughs> Please God, that can't, that can't be true. <laughs> it's not. There's eight seasons of this, and there's no way in seven years she goes from that to capable of anything besides being horrible. <laughs> I didn't say she became capable. <laughs> You're assuming that CTU agents are capable. You're correct. People. I did. I did meet Tony. He's yeah. the worst. You've so met, far, there's you've no met proof. three CTU agents that work mm-hmm. in that in that facility, 
and maybe one of them is capable. Uh, one of them is a mole. What's two that? Of, one of them is a mole. Two have <laughs> clearly broken federal laws already. Yeah. Uh, two yeah. more have slept with each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, this is not a well-run agency. I will <laughs> no, say that. Not at all. So, gentlemen, that was a, a pleasant first Bauer Hour to spend with you both, and I can't wait to do it again next week. Absolutely. Boop, 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 boop.